Hello, today's guest on the podcast is Dr. Ron Jensen. There's many things I could say about Ron, but the most interesting to me is that he spent seven months in a 20-foot motorhome crisscrossing the country and logged over 20,000 miles talking to 350 leaders. Here's the question he asked each one. At the end of your life, how will you know you've been successful? Isn't that a great question? We're going to talk about it with Dr. Ron Jensen. He's a coach to leaders around the world. He's led a seminary. He chairs a leadership training organization, and he's been my friend for over 20 years. This is his book, Achieving Authentic Success, which is endorsed by Zig Ziglar, Elizabeth Dole, Ken Blanchard, and Coach Joe Gibbs. See you in in the studio as we talk to Dr. Ron Jensen. Leaders are learners. The Right Now Media at Work platform is a place to learn. It's a place to learn on the go, and it's the largest, most trusted video library of on-demand biblical content in the world. Right Now Media at Work helps business leaders put their faith into action by caring for their team members, both at work and at home. If you're in a convene group, you may have already experienced Right Now Media at Work, and it's 20,000 videos that range from things like leadership and team building to marriage and parenting. Right Now Media at Work is available on all your favorite devices whenever and wherever you and your employees need it. So why not let your faith influence how you lead and improve your business at the same time? Help your team flourish in every area of life with Right Now Media at Work. To find out more, Log on to rightnowmediaatwork.org. So we're here in the convened studios in Southern California, and I'm very excited to be with Ron Jensen, Dr. Ron Jensen, who has been a longtime friend. And Ron, welcome. We're really glad you're here. Great to be here, Greg. Thank you. There's this story that I have to tell that uh, when I was living in Canada, I don't even know, 25 years ago or something, and you were recording a cassette tape Remember interviews, those cassette tape yeah. interviews with some of my friends, yep. uh, Kevin Jenkins and David Ray, and you would send me these high ground cassette recordings, yeah. and I woke up this morning thinking... This is so exciting. I get to interview Ron, who has sent me so many interviews. Oh, that's sweet. It's a joy. Yeah, those were fun. Yeah, they were. I I think I have to confess, though, I might have thrown the last one out because my car had no cassette player. I know. That's a problem. Yeah. But we have been uh, thinking a lot, praying a lot about an emphasis for 2019 in Convene. And we've kind of come as a leadership team to this place of thinking about the spiritually healthy leader. There's a lot about the emotionally healthy leader. There's a lot about uh, your soul. If you are uh, an, an everyday person, there's not a lot about leaders and their soul. Yeah. And um, I thought we could talk a little bit about that. Does that sound interesting? Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. You have you have no. I, th- I thought about this before. You've thought about this yeah. before, but. Um, there's uh, some paintings that we have in our boardroom that depict um, business people all dressed in their, their suit uh, and Jesus dressed in the garb of his day. And so there's a weary businessman 
lying on Jesus' lap, just exhausted with his briefcase all spewn out. There's uh, uh, other pictures that depict things like overload, uh, complexity, mm -hmm. loneliness, what to do with wealth, how to integrate faith. When you think of a spiritually healthy leader, what do you think of? What would you say to people who think, Ugh, does that mean monastery? Does that mean spiritual direction for days? Does that mean not eating? Does that mean silent retreats? What, what, what is a spiritually healthy leader? Well, when I think of a spiritually healthy uh, leader, the image I get in my mind is a very competent, uh, impactful uh, individual who's living an abundant, rich, full, hmm. dynamic fruitful a life hmm. because that really is the outflow of being uh, spiritual at the core. In fact, that's, I think, the beginning place for it. So, you know, like in, in Scripture, in, in Hebrews, when it talks about the, about the Word of God being able to basically dissect between the soul and the spirit, a lot of times we become kind of soulish people. So soul mm -hmm. is more dealing with the emotions and our perspectives on things, but it can be very, very um, non-spiritual. Mm -hmm. So we're all souls, and I think we all ha also have spirits. I think God's agenda for us is increasingly to become people of spirit. Mm. So our spirit, which is that intimate relationship with Jesus, really mm -hmm. exciting, dynamic, abundant, fun, mm -hmm. fulfilling, that relationship moment by moment directs our soul, our emotions, and our, our thoughts so that we're doing things that are God-centered for his glory and for advancing the kingdom and not just for self. And we get mm -hmm. all messed up with that. So mm -hmm. we become soulish people. We don't become spirit people. And I think mm -hmm. spiritual health is someone who's first and foremost just in love with God. Mm -hmm. and, and, it, and their motives and their, their power base comes from Jesus at the center of their lives. Mm -hmm. So if I'm spiritually healthy, uh, God is at the center of my life. Yeah. What yeah. else? Yeah. Well, I think part of being spiritually healthy then is that I'm uh, uh, cultivating not only a personal intimacy with the Lord, mm -hmm. but I'm also developing the, the fruit of that becomes like character. So mm -hmm. more and more I am demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, mm -hmm. self-control, and so on. Uh, so I'll have more and more of that Christian character flowing out of my life. And I think the third thing I'll have flowing out of my life if I'm spiritually healthy is I'll be impactful. And by that, uh, at work, I'll be impacting people in the deepest way possible, appropriately, but because I'm loving them, because I have a love relationship with God, which motivates me because I truly love them and add value to their life, I'll be impacting people. I'll be building relationships that are deep and intimate, not mm -hmm. just collegial, but close, intimate friendships, mm -hmm. and uh, I'll be, you know, be building into my family, I'll be building into the workforce, I'll be building mm -hmm. into my culture culture at large because I love for people and I, and I want to have an impact uh, that will expand the kingdom, essentially. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of others-centered. Absolutely. You're starting to make it sound like it's not mysterious. Yeah. And I think some people might think, if I'm spiritually healthy... Maybe it's hard to pin down. You know, the average CEO would say, just tell me what I have to be like or do, but don't make it mysterious. Yeah. Maybe. I, think, I think that's true. And I, and I think we get this uh, 
kind of a religious view of being being uh, spiritually healthy and and then we start to get into all the things we're supposed to do versus mm-hmm. the real core to it and and the core to it I, I mean John 15 is the best example I know of where uh, Jesus said you know my father's the gardener I'm the vine you're the branches so we're all branches to the vine mm-hmm. it's that old winery uh, uh, metaphor and he says all, all that a, a branch is good for is for taking the sap through the vine and bearing fruit. And so he says, uh, I've called you to bear fruit. That's, that's, that's what God wants us to do. We, we want to be fruitful people. So that means abundant living. That means impact on our world, impact on the people around us in a positive way, and the fruit of the Spirit. So we bear fruit by touching people, impacting them, and also by uh, building... Uh, his qualities into our lives and we do that by all we have to do really it says in John 15 7 if you abide in me mm-hmm. and my word abides in you now think about this if you abide in me and my word abides in you Jesus goes on to say you can ask whatever you will it'll be done for you because mm-hmm. because we'll be in sync with the Lord and when we pray it we're praying something that we know is what God wants you can ask whatever you will, it will be done unto you. You will bear much fruit. You will prove to be my disciples. God will be glorified. My Father will be glorified. And uh, you'll have great joy. Now think of those benefits. Talk mm-hmm. about return on investment. Mm-hmm. All we have to do to simplify it is abide in Him, which means walking in His Spirit, abiding in the vine, letting God work through us, saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I, I can't figure out this financial situation. I can't deal with this conflict. I can't uh, get my life quite in order by myself. I need the power of God within me. Mm-hmm. And then if his word abides in us, that's the other side of the coin. So if the word of God is filling our lives and our mind as we meditate on it and learn to be instantly obedient to what God says, we create that intimacy. Mm-hmm. That's all we have to do. Mm-hmm. I call it focus on the roots, not the fruit. We mm-hmm. get the fruit, mm-hmm. but the way we get the fruit is the roots of abiding in Him and letting His Word abide in us. I mean, those are the two steps. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded when you're saying that about Andrew Murray's uh, progression of a spiritual life, right? Which yeah. is the first one where the new Christian says, I can do this. Yeah. And then the years go by and they say, this is something I cannot do. Yeah. And then they finally say, the Christian life is impossible. Yeah. And Andrew Murray says, that's where God wants you because the next phase is the power phase where you finally say, I can only do this under the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And that's true for everybody. And by the way, it's harder for those of us who are leaders. Yeah. Because... There's an interesting dichotomy. On the one hand, Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. So we have this incredible responsibility to steward what God's given us. And if we're leaders, that means influence over people, influence over money and resources and Mm -hmm. uh, respect and reputation. We're to steward all that. Mm -hmm. So there's much required from that on the one hand. But on the other hand, uh, the the dichotomy is to do that, we have to... uh, be good stewards, but we also have to live in in brokenness, Scripture talks about, Mm -hmm. where we're saying, it's not me but Christ, where we're saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, 
either that's true or it's not. But mm -hmm. if it's true, and I certainly, I know you do too, believe it is, then that means I have to say, God, I can't do it. You have to do it through me. And I find that a lot of folks get hung up on, well, what's God's part and what's my part? Mm -hmm. I mean, I need to practice disciplines. I need to pray. I need to read the Bible. I need to have fellowship, all of which is true. But I, I think in Philippians 2, the balance is, um, on the one hand, it says, God works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. And then he says, work out your sanctification and fear and trembling. And so uh, my, what I believe is that God work, God does two things. He gives us the, the, the will, the, the insight on what to do, and then he gives us the power to do it. So we lean into God to give us wisdom by being in his word and the power as we abide in the vine or walk in the spirit. And then our job is to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, to run the race to win. So we, we develop all these intentional disciplines in our life, but they all flow out of what God's doing in our life. And it flows not out of a mechanical thing, but out of this love relationship. I just want to be with the Lord mm -hmm. because he loves me and mm -hmm. he's forgiven me and, and he's gracious to me. And, and when I do, he blesses. When I don't, I get lost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what do you say to the CEO who's out there who can do everything on his or her to-do list uh, because they can, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, meet with the shareholders, get more financing, uh, find a new accounting firm, uh, find a new vice president of marketing, uh, enter the China market, can do, can do, can do, can do, can do. But then you say there's that spiritual discipline of abiding in Christ. Yeah. And somehow, sometimes it feels like abiding is my spiritual uh, to-do list, but everything else I can do on my own. Yeah. What would you say to that person? Well, I'd say two things. I'd probably say a lot of things, as you know, <laughs> but I'd say, I'd say two things for sure. <laughs> One is, you know, good for you. You know, God's given you great talents and skills and capacities and passion and and uh, he, he's given you those to be used for good. So I'm so delighted you could do these things. So do them well. Do them with excellence. Mm -hmm. That always ought to be true of us as, as followers of Jesus. The other thing I'd say is uh, you might be able to do all those things, but the constant question is, um, is so what? That's the biggest question in my life. I keep saying, if I do this, so what? And not just so what now, or for the company, or for the organization, or for our bottom line financially, but so what in light of eternity? Mm -hmm. So what? Now, uh, often I will do things, uh, and a person like this can get things done, but the question is, could they have done things uh, in a bigger way, mm -hmm. in a more impactful way, in a more strategic way, if they were in very close union with with the Lord, where they could say, because they're abiding in Christ, I mean, which is a, to me, that's a moment by moment experience. You just, mm -hmm. you know, right right now we ought to be abiding in Christ. Hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, I, I trust we are. So, abiding in Christ, and if His words abiding in me, which just means I'm really getting to know the Word, I'm trusting it, and I'm letting it uh, transform. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind continually. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm just doing that as a way of life, with some disciplines built around it, then then all of a sudden again. I can ask whatever I will. Why? Because I'm in sync with the Lord. Wouldn't you like to have an advisory board that actually told you the absolute right thing to do mm -hmm. every time? Mm -hmm. The right way to do it and the right thing to do. 
and that's basically what the Holy Spirit does is we abide in Christ. So he says, you can ask whatever you will, and it'll be done for you. I mean, mm -hmm. think about that. And it's not because we are asking for something selfishly. It's just we're in sync with the Lord, so we have his mind and his heart. Mm -hmm. And when you have that, think of the capacity that builds. Yeah. And, you know, all, all the folks I've coached over the years, the senior executives and business leaders, you know, I, 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 I tell them, I, I really, I'm not going to help you. You know, I'll help you make more money. I'll help you with better teams. I'll help you live a, a greater life. But I'm really not trying to help you build your business. I'm trying to help you build you. Because the greatest asset you have in this company is not your people. It's you. Mm -hmm. So th the problem is we get, we lose capacity because we, we don't have that internal center, that spiritual vitality. I mean, excitement and vitality to have the power base and the wisdom base to do so much more than we do. We just don't mm -hmm. know. We're mm -hmm. like really the best of us, the most talented ones of us are really like pikers when it comes to experiencing what we could experience because mm -hmm. God is big, mm -hmm. you know, and, and he'll do great things in and through us. And so I'd say, hey, this, uh, this isn't just a side thing you do by yourself. You do all of it in relationship to the Lord as a way of life, trusting him, not just to bless your plans, but to guide your plans yeah. and to empower you. So in relationships, you've got that supernatural power, you know, working through you so you can love unconditionally mm -hmm. and selflessly mm -hmm. and helpfully with people. You spent uh, seven months running around the country in a 20-foot motorhome, 20,000 miles, and interviewed hundreds of leaders. And at the end of the interview, you would always ask them, Mr. or Mrs. Leader, at the end of your life, how will you know you've succeeded? What did people say? Well, it was really interesting because these are people who had, at the top of their game, um, I've done this both in the nonprofit faith-based world and I've done it in the general market business professional world, the sports yeah. leaders and leaders all around the world. And I've been doing this for years, but as I, as I ask them that, uh, they, they, uh, they never say um, anything about what I call the five Ps, power, prosperity, position, prestige, or pleasure. Uh, that's kind of what the culture pushes for, you know, what success mm -hmm. is all about. Mm -hmm. But they don't, they don't, I, I've never heard anyone say anything like that. They say things like, how did my kids turn out? What kind of relationship did I have with my spouse? Did I live a virile, dynamic life mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually? Believers would say, did I have a close, intimate relationship with God? Uh, Am I confident God will say, well done, good and faithful servant? Mm -hmm. uh, am I having an impact? The, the two things that constantly came back, two categories were, was their life complete? Were they successful personally and professionally, uh, publicly and privately? Mm -hmm. And secondly, were they uh, living lives that were one of contribution, uh, really giving back, both in their companies and the in their communities and the culture at large? And... They were always centered in uh, what kind of center did they have in their lives? What kind mm -hmm. of spiritual core did they have mm -hmm. in, in their lives? And uh, I remember one guy, Bob Safford, who was, you know, he had like, uh, I think about 5,000 people in his organization and was a multimillionaire. And I asked him once, I said, how will people, how will people, uh, how, how do you think you will have succeeded looking back at your life at, and your deathbed? And he said, well, I'm, I'm, 
I don't know. He said, I'm just hoping enough enough people come to my funeral and will weep at my funeral. Mm-hmm. So this guy, hugely successful guy, great guy, very committed Christian. So uh, some years later, he died. He leaned up in bed. You know, he was like young 60s, leaned up in bed, turned to his wife, said, ah, I better sit down again. And then he collapsed and died, instant heart attack. And and life's a vapor, you know. We don't know how quickly that'll happen, but I, he had set it up so I'd do his funeral. So I did his funeral, and here was the chairman of, you know, American Express, and there was an invitation-only funeral in Philadelphia, about 3,000 people, and it was simulcast around the world to his people, and it was crazy. And his grandkids spoke, his kids spoke, his colleagues spoke, his friends spoke. I communicated. But everyone said the same thing about the impact this guy had had, the vital nature of his life, his love for God, his, his love for them, his, uh, his impact in his family. And, uh, you know, many people wept at his funeral. Hmm. And I thought that's a, you know, th- that's a flirty thing. It comes and goes, but it, it really did happen because he intentionally lived his life. I mean, I met him before he had risen to the top and, and developed him quite a bit in our, in, in, our, in our study together. And he had lived his life quite intentionally uh, running after the way he wanted to be remembered at the end of his life. And I think that's how we ought to live, which will force us back to our spiritual health. Because mm. mm. you just can't do it without a spiritual core. You just can't. Yeah. So, so I, I think nobody on their deathbed said, uh, give me my... Uh computer one more time. I want to make sure it's backed up. Or I, w- I wish I had spent more time in the office. I mean, there are times we need to do that, yeah, but that's not... a bigger boat. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah. So glad I bought the latest gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. No, it's yeah, just, no. it's not that at all. No, that's exactly... <laughs> so these things, maybe we could call them eternal ROI yeah. for those business leaders who yeah. are saying what really matters. Yeah. Uh, there's a young uh, gentleman who... Um, we've come to know recently who's doing a, a one-man uh, sort of play on the Bema seat, and it's yeah, incredible. Oh boy. Yeah. And it's this um, powerful yeah. rendition of the fact that someday we are going to stand before God, and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Maybe that's eternal ROI. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Which, And by the way, I think that's probably one of the cores to a a vital, healthy, spiritual life is that eternal perspective. Mm. So I realize that life is at best, the Bible calls it a vapor. Yeah. You know, it's a shadow. It's, I mean, it's all a mist. It uses these very quickly passing uh, words, but it comes and goes very quickly. And, uh, and what happens is we kind of live like life's just going to keep going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And it could, it could go at any, mm-hmm. any moment. And, that's why I think it's so incumbent upon us to, uh, on the not not wait, even to halftime. Bob Buford was was a dear friend of mine and has done amazing things to the halftime movement. But I've always been a big believer that we don't wait for significance until halftime. It's it's our whole life. So right. to our millennial guys out there, guys and gals, I'd say, hey, start now. Be all in now right, right. and and be you know, radically committed to Jesus and fall in love with him. Be great in your occupation. Be great at what you do, but uh, take care of that spiritual core and Mm -hmm. really, really build it and just fall in love with Christ because then you'll have the power of God Mm -hmm. and the wisdom of God and the grace of God in your life day in and day out. And it will take what you could do at this level and take it to that level. Yeah, yeah. 
the last person you interviewed after uh, seven months, 20,000 miles in a 20-foot motorhome was Dr. Bill Bright. You had the privilege of working with what I think history will call one of the greatest leaders of time and uh, certainly one of, if not one of the top five greatest Christian leaders of our day. Yeah. And he had a different answer for you to the question at the end of your life, how will you know you've succeeded? He had a different answer than everybody else. What did he say? Well, yes. And even before I got to that that question, I just said, can you tell us about Crusade? And that's what it was called back in those days and what they're doing. And I had, I had known uh, of Dr. Bright from, I, as a college kid, I went to Arrowhead Springs and got trained on how to do evangelism. That yeah. was a, a scary and exciting yeah. time. And uh, so, but I was very impressed with that movement, and I knew it was having an incredible impact around the world. And I, I asked him all about it. You know, he was a former candy man. You know, that right. God grabbed a hold of, kind of like the Apostle Paul, and he just was all in. Mm-hmm. And and um, and so he 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 wouldn't talk about crusade. Hmm. All all he would do is talk about Jesus hmm. and his love relationship to Jesus, and and weep a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he was he was so in love with them and. Subsequently, and, and, and our conclusion was, the four of us who had just interviewed in seven months 350 leaders in Canada and the U.S. Notice how I got that in there, Canada, Canada and the and U.S. US. in that Good order. Job. Aren't Good you job. impressed? So, uh, uh, but we had just visited just the very best of the best in their fields all around America, and he, that interview stood out by far as the best one we saw because what hit us on the interview among leaders uh, was that, and, th- and these were predominantly Christian uh, Christians, believers, mm-hmm. but at the very top of their field, it, it was our, our biggest takeaway was negative from our trip, the, uh, and that was it's a lot easier to have a, a zeal for the work mm-hmm. than it is a passion for God. Wow. And, uh, and that's just wrong. And, and by the way, I get that. I, I love to do work. I'll divert myself by doing work, but if my heart's not warm and tender and sensitive, and if I'm not in this intimate relationship with the Lord, I miss so much. And I can't tell you how many lousy decisions I made over the years because I'm like you and like most of the people watching, was a pretty talented guy, and I was able to get things done, make things happen. But you know, I go, what a waste of time. So what? You yeah. know, so I did this. Yeah. I, you know, God was trying to lead me a different direction, but I just wouldn't listen. I was too stubborn. I was too gifted to be able to listen to God. So mm. we want to be careful about mm. that. Yeah. Mm. We were chatting on the phone the other day about leaders yeah. and uh, just in this notion of spiritually healthy leaders, uh, we talked about how Paul in the New Testament referenced leaders should be like a soldier that sounds really good win the battle yeah they should be like a farmer cultivating hard working they should be like an athlete running to win but then there's this tricky passage in first thessalonians that you said wait a minute there's one more thing yeah talk about that well i i in all my research on leadership, and I've done a ton, particularly on what I call self-leadership. And the whole premise there is that good, good government's based on self-government, and uh-huh. good leadership's based on self-leadership. If I can't lead myself, I can't lead others. And the core of self-leadership's uh, spiritual leadership. So 
I, I looked for the best models out there, reading everything that was out over the years, including aggressively in the Bible, particularly Proverbs, and identified some qualities. But in 1 Thessalonians 2, in 1 Thessalonians, it's a story about Paul, Timothy, and Silas. Now, three very different dudes. I mean, Paul was this D-type, strong, uh, choleric personality. Mm -hmm. Timothy was a timid teacher, and Silas was a more administrative type. They're all basically a professional business people, but so they they uh, they came into Thessalonica, spent a few months there, and created what I understand to be the healthiest church in the whole New Testament because they demonstrated faith, hope, and love—the three qualities of maturity—and the only it's the only church he talks to that had all three of them. A lot of times he wrote to churches that were missing one element, and he mm -hmm. would focus in on that. And they, and they did it, and, and Paul said the way they did it was they came in and uh, poured their lives into these people for a few months, and Paul starts off the, uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 by saying, and we were, so he said, we, our lives were, we were gentle among you like a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. Hmm. And then he goes on and says, we loved you so much that we imparted to you not only the gospel, but our very own lives. And, yeah. and, and so he starts off this thing uh, talking about uh, leadership, and he says, we were, think about it, gentle among you like a nursing mother tenderly cares for her children. Hmm. So when, uh, when my, my wife, Mary, was breastfeeding our two kids, I remember many times in the middle of the night they would cry, and I'd roll over and say, Honey, I'm sorry I'm not equipped, and come back. <laughs> I'm <laughs> she, not equipped. Yeah, she'd slug me, and then, and then she would bring the child in so I could experience the joy too of her crying. But then she would, she would uh, breastfeed them, and you know she would just play with their little cheek a little bit, and she would, you know, they'd bite sometimes, and she'd have to tweak her cheek a little bit, and they would, you know, she'd just play with their little fingers and just look at them, adore them, and hold them, and there's just a tenderness to that. And so Paul starts off this passage like that. He actually talks about, that's one of ten qualities in there. And he ends by saying, just a few verses later, and like fathers. Mm -hmm. So he starts like a nursing mother, and then like fathers, we admonished and uh, urged and beseeched you to walk worthy of your calling. You know, a strong step up, a good strong leader based on tenderness and and I, I think that, that by the way, it is the best model of leadership I know in literature. And it, it, it's beautiful. By the way, it works for men and women mm -hmm. because about half of the qualities seem more, uh, more feminine traits mm -hmm. than ma uh, uh, male traits, mm -hmm. and yet he, they merge them together. And this, what fascinates me about it is their major ministry, while they're with them, they're communicating truth, but he said also communicating our very own lives, which is the Greek word suke, our souls. We bared our souls to you. We were open and transparent. Mm. And the power of that kind of leadership ended up creating a church, and it said, from you the gospel spread throughout the whole world yeah. in, three in three months. Wow. So think about if you're entrepreneurial or even in a big corporation, you have three months to come in and uh, get enough bang for the buck and then be able to get out. And, and they did it by three guys, different personalities, different styles, but they all demonstrated the same character qualities. Mm. Wow. Because they're all spiritually centered. That was, they were spiritually healthy. Yeah. What do you say to the leader who says you can't be friends with people who work for you? 
as it relates to this passage that you just described, right? Tender, nursing mother, like a father. Hey, but can't be friends with people that work for you. We can't get too close. Yeah, I, I just think that's crazy. I mean, one the, the other conclusion we had from this trip we were talking about before was that the staffs had pretty good professional relationships, but they didn't have good personal relationships, even mm-hmm. when they were all Christians. Mm-hmm. And that just bugged the heck out of us mm-hmm. because we thought, wait a second, we're told, uh, you know, Jesus said in John 17, he said, I pray you'll be one, perfected in unity, yeah. loving one another the way I love the Father and the Father loves me. Uh, so right. living in complete unity so that the world would know I've been sent by him. You know, right. so our witness actually is an overflow of our radical love for one another. So I understand the dynamics of business, and I, but, but honestly, uh, uh, m- uh, tomorrow... Uh, I'll be uh, leaving from here, and we'll be spending a little time before meeting with some other uh, mutual friends of ours, but we'll be spending a little time with about five other couples who are all uh, my my faculty, part of my faculty mm-hmm. uh, in 1982, uh, 3, 4, 5, mm-hmm. uh, for about eight years. And we have maintained, had been and maintained and I fired a few of them, by the way, mm-hmm. had then and maintained close personal relationships because, and we were friends. Mm-hmm. Now, there's things that are, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we need to be careful about that we don't say that we shouldn't say to other people, period. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but as far as friendships, you know, I, I don't think you have real close tightness unless you really are friends and demonstrating friends mm-hmm. at, a, at a deep level. Yeah. Caring, and being open and transparent is part of that. Yeah, I, I mean... Open and transparent, speaking of John 17. Yeah. I mean, if I was Jesus, John 17, it's pretty much a couple days or a day before I'm done and out of here and, and on the cross. Yeah. And I'm with my leadership team. And maybe I'd want to go off by myself yeah. and not let them see that I'm afraid, that I'm nervous, that I'm worried. I'm about to pray this prayer. Let this cup pass from me. I better not let them see me cry. And then I love what Jesus says where he says, uh, Father, you gave me these people. I showed them you. I'm giving them back to you, and I'm out of here. And uh, it seems like at the end of the game, the thing that mattered most to Jesus was the people, not something else. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he loved yeah. him. He cared for him, and yeah, and he wanted to be real with them. And by the way, I actually did my doctorate in the area of discipleship and uh, studying how Jesus built leaders because no one's ever done a better job of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, his method was, you know, he'd tell them what to do, he'd show them how to do it, mm-hmm. he would get them involved doing, it, he'd evaluate how they're doing. I use that same model for coaching to this day. So it's one thing to communicate truth, like here you ought to pray, but then he would pray with them, and, and then he would, you know, give them feedback on that, and and then uh, he, he would he just kept building good habits into them, and and that includes just being open and honest and transparent mm-hmm. and a nursing mother and a mm-hmm. strong father. He has a great combination of all those. Mm-hmm. Well, how about if we summarize for people who are listening, watching somewhere in the world, wherever they may be, they're they're hard charging, they're they're going 100 miles an hour, they have a 73 item to-do list and they're saying spiritually healthy just tell me what i'm supposed to do yeah well i'd say 
uh, number one, stop for a minute hmm. and reflect. Ask yourself the question we've talked about and write out the answer. At the end of my life, how will I know I've succeeded? Yeah. And write down what you want to be said about you. By the way, same time, uh, another exercise, and I'll do this with my coaching clients, I say, uh, ask, uh, look at your last week's calendar, look at your uh, at the schedule, look at your how you're spending your money, look how, look how you're uh, spending your free time. And uh, in light of that, determine what's at the center of your life, what's the God in your life right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that'll show you where your values are, which are really, really something. And then sit down and write down how you'd like to be remembered at the end of your life and to say, well, to do that, what's going to be essential? Mm -hmm. my, my belief is, my experience with uh, uh, coaching clients over the years is that they'll all come back and say, I need to have God at the center of my life. I really know that I need to have a close, intimate relationship with him. I want that to be said of me at the end of my life. So start with that. Uh, secondly, be sure you build an eternal perspective. I mean, Jesus said it so well, seek first the kingdom of, his God, of God and his righteousness. Mm and all these things will be added to you. And then thirdly, uh, learn to abide, abide in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's walking in the spirit and letting his word abide in you. Let Be in the word every day. Think about it throughout the day. Learn to meditate. That's a lost art in our culture, mm -hmm. but biblically meditate. Mm -hmm. Don't empty your mind, fill it with God's truth and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And remember this, by the way, with all, all of these, Scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you're constantly trying to do is get your head and your heart wrapped around those values that are near and dear to the heart of God. And mm -hmm. if you'll do that, you will start to become a spiritually healthy person. Hmm. Thanks, Ron. Back 20-some years ago when I was getting your cassette tapes, <laughs> High Ground Ministries, I never thought we'd be sitting in my office with me kind of interviewing you. So it's been a joy. It's been a privilege. And for those of you listening, uh, make this year, make this month, make this week uh, a time when you begin to focus on your spiritual health. Thanks for watching. Mm -hmm.